Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss, and back in the studio with me today, it's Buzzy Cohen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, Sarah. All of it. Yeah. It's I, TOC week, Buzzy. It's, you know how electric I feel when it's TOC week. I feel it. I feel it every TOC, but this TOC, there is something in the air. There and is. It's going to be good. I was walking over to the studio. I ran into Tad. Official Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune security. And he started talking about, oh, this is the biggest TOC. It's like everybody on the lot is vibrating with excitement. Yes. And we get a front row seat. Yes. And you'll have your handy dandy notebook, I Always. Hope. Well, you get a second row seat. A very good seat. I'll have a seat somewhere. No, you'll have a great seat. You're not going to be at the <laughs> judge's table because, no. you know, you got to have your handy-dandy notebook and take the notes. Yeah. But we'll get you a VIP seat. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Well, I'm I'm not going to miss it because you know how I feel about this tournament. Uh, we're going to have some Jeopardy! Honors coming up around it. We are. The second annual Jeopardy! Honors Award, which, of course, everyone will get to see on February 22nd. Kicking off with us on the blue carpet, Buzzy. We're back. I'm personally honored just to be invited, included, and I'm excited to see what what people are bringing. Yeah, we really feel like the honors event allows all of the TOC field to just kind of have a celebration before it all kicks off. This year on the Wheel of Fortune stage, uh, because it's a little chilly in Cali Park in February. You know, it'll be a nice event, and we're really looking forward to also celebrating our Hall of Fame inductee this mm-hmm. year, and also the award winners. Yes. It's going to yes. be good. Well, talking about TOC, we have, of course, the build-up to TOC, which right now is Champions Wildcard, and our social team, they put together this game dynamics graphic last week that I just loved, and it really showed the roller coaster of the game between Juveria, Alec, and Robbie. You knew it was an exciting game, and it had lots of twists and turns, but to really see the analytics in a graph was pretty cool. So if you haven't checked that out, look at our socials and see just what it takes. And I think fans are excited about this. You know, even Dave Rapp chimed in. Well, now I want to see this graph for all of my games. I don't know if we're going to go back, but going forward, it's nice to know that people are feeling this format. Yes, we're certainly talking about games like this that it really would help to see kind of where it turned and how it went along that we do want to offer this in the future. So thank you to our social and digital team who executed this idea. And of course, Carlos here in the pod, who (laughs) always provides all the stats. You know, you have to think for each of those charts, every one of those moves is a stat. And thanks to Carlos for always providing those. Well, Buzzy, I can't believe it. Today marks the start of our last Champions Wildcard. (laughs) I know, we've been saying it for months, but it really does begin today. So over the next three weeks, you're going to see 27 former champions from Season 39 competing for that final coveted spot in the TOC. And after that, our field of 27 will be complete. Of course, it was just last Friday when we saw Javeria Zahir clinch her ticket to the TOC, and we are going to be joined by Javeria, fresh off her win later in the pod to discuss 
her impressive performance across Second Chance, Champions Wildcard. We're going to find out how she's preparing to take on her next competition, the TOC. And we're going to highlight the week that was from Champions Wildcard last week. That was the semifinals and the finals. They were good. We've got to talk about them. But before all that, it's time for This Week in Jeopardy! History. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy! Alex Trebek! Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our ultimate tournament of champions. A few months ago, all of America marveled at the amazing performance of Ken Jennings, who set a new record for games won and cash winnings. But some of our viewers, and rightfully so, wondered, well, how would our other champions have done if they hadn't been limited by that five-game rule or if they had been in matches against Ken Jennings? Well, this ultimate tournament is going to resolve all of that because over the next 15 weeks, we're bringing back 144 of our best players, including yesterday's team champion, to compete and wind up with two players who will go into a three-day match against Ken Jennings for $2 million. So it's going to be very exciting, and we begin today with Leslie, Michael, and Eric. Nice to see you again. Let's go to work. It was February 9th, 2005, when we kicked off the ultimate tournament of champions. This was a 15-week tournament that culminated in an epic three-game final. This was the first time we ever did more than two games for that two-day total point affair. It found 74-game champ Ken Jennings. You know, what were we going to do with him? He had missed the <laughs> TOC cutoff. Well, we just created a total tournament around him. So we seeded him into the final round. $2 million on the line. And then from the field of 144 total players, it was Jerome Verrid and Brad Rutter who battled through to the very end to face off against Ken. Brad Rutter prevailed yeah. as the champion. And that $2 million purse, if you will, is really what helped solidify him as the highest earning quiz or game show winner in television history. With a total like that, it's understandable how, despite, you know, Ken winning Goat and other yeah. things, it hasn't been matched and I don't know that it ever will. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Brad was in GOAT. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, this ultimate TOC was the first of many times that Brad showed what an incredible player he is. And from kind of this moment on, a lot of the big tournaments were Ken, Brad, and someone else. Whether that was <laughs> Jerome in this one or Roger, Roger Craig. Craig. Uh, you know, all the way up to All-Stars in 2019 when it was Colby's team, I believe, against Ken's and, and Brad's and Brad. team. I remember watching this. What a big moment for the show as well. You know, what do you do after you come off of the Ken Jennings moment? And this was just such an exciting tournament. You know, TOC now with 27 players seems huge. 144 total players. I can only imagine what you all had to do just to wrangle all of that. Well, it did happen over months. Of so course it happened No over single months. tape day did we have 144 gathered, but it was quite an undertaking yeah. even just completing that field, and it really was to to find those folks who had had that five-day limit and never had a chance to go on streaks like Ken did. And the finals of the UTOC, as mm -hmm. we called it for short, yep. that's the famous game when Alex came out without his pants on. That's right. I believe Jerome, Brad, and Ken were joking about the fact that with their 
podiums no one could see. So they were saying, you know, well, what if we come out with no pants on? And Alex had his earpiece in already so he could hear them and decided to mess with them a little bit. Yeah, it worked. And it's still one of my favorite Jeopardy moments. Well, what do you say we head into this week's game highlights? Let's do it. We kicked off the semifinals on Monday with Lloyd C., Andy Terrell, and Martha Bath. This was an outstanding game. Andy took the lead heading into double Jeopardy, but Martha and Lloyd worked hard to close the gap after each responding correctly to a daily double. And by the end of the round, it was Lloyd who had the lead, but all three players very much in contention and each with scores over $10,000. Love to see that. Andy, the only player to come up with a correct response in final. So he secures his spot with a pretty exciting come from behind win, but just a great game altogether. Martha said in the post game chat, I'm hanging in all right for the old ladies. I'm representing <laughs> the old ladies, but I knew one day these young men would get me. Andy added, I was terrified of you, Martha, as a player. Yeah, this was an incredible game. Really, really strong play from all three players. Game totals, Lloyd with an 83% correct, Andy with an 89%, Martha with 100%. This was like an incredible game. I I know I keep saying it, but there's not much more than that to say. Well, and if that game was good, wait until we headed on to Tuesday. The semifinal matchup between Javeria Zahir, Alec Chow, and Robbie Ramirez. This was a fantastic game. Juveria got off to a strong early lead, but Robbie found both daily doubles and double jeopardy, adding $13,000 to his score to take the lead, heading into final. Once again, all three players with over $10,000, five digits. It all came down to that final clue. Robbie was incorrect, and Juveria was correct, so she secures her spot in the finals coming from behind. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, after I just said what an incredible game Monday was, Tuesday came and topped that. I want to give a shout out to Robbie for doing the thing that I love and going big on those two daily doubles to put him in pole position. Sometimes you get finals, sometimes you don't, but it's better to be calling the shots than kind of trying to catch up. And good on Javeria for a savvy wager for that come from behind win. Alec went on Reddit, one of our competitors in this game, to share his thoughts about that match. And he said, you know, if I were allowed to decide how my Jeopardy career would end, I would choose this game every time. I'm so excited for everyone to see how brilliantly Javeria and Robbie played. Robbie chimed in, hell of a game. I mean, this is what you love to see. And this game also featured a category Harlem Hellfighters that Mm -hmm. we shot with Robin Roberts. It's a docu-series airing on the History Channel that Robin Roberts executive produced. So we actually traveled to GMA to shoot this category with her. And, you know, she was just one of the guest hosts that we so enjoyed working with. Great energy. Just a positive person who wants to put positivity out in the world. And I am positive that This is going to stand up as one of the games of this season. Yes. And one thing that inspired me was hearing Juveria say that, you know, her brother, I don't know if you heard this part, but he appeared on Survivor and that she actually saw a promo for an anytime test (laughs) during an episode of Survivor. And so she was watching her brother and she decided to apply. So now she's hoping that her brother gets a Survivor second chance, but it takes 15 minutes, guys. You could be the next Juveria. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, not to go off subject, but I don't know if you saw our our now friend Emma Stone on Colbert last week talking about how she she's on she's doing the anytime test. All of you out there who are if you're listening to this pod and you haven't taken the anytime test, you're doing something wrong. All right. Good advice, Buzzy. Let's head into <laughs> Wednesday for our last semifinal with Michael Minkus, Aaron Portman and Ron Chung. Another great game. Michael had a strong start and steadily built on his lead in double jeopardy. 
Ron worked to stay in contention, but unfortunately missed a $3,000 daily double. And from there, Michael was able to secure a runaway, our only one that happened in the semifinals. And he's got that last spot in the two-day total point affair. Yeah, watching these three semifinal games, you almost feel like any of these nine players making it into the finals would have been a really exciting game. Erin, not quite on her buzzer mojo, but very strong and correct responses. Just couldn't get it. And right know. there with attempts. I mean, yeah. they're all so close in attempts. So yeah. I just think it just shows how strong this field was and why, you know, we get these incredible games in the semis. And I love that Aaron was able to sport. <laughs> yes. The famous earrings. She even said in the interview, life is too short to wear anything but interesting jewelry. Of course, she brought back the question mark and the exclamation point. Loved welcoming all of those players back. All right, heading into Thursday, Juveria, Andy, and Michael returning for the two-day total point affair. Once again, Michael started off strong, but double jeopardy was Juveria's round. She found both daily doubles, went all in on both of them, adding $15,200 to take a huge lead heading into final. But it was Andy, the only one to come up with the correct response, so he jumps to second place with Juveria taking a small, much smaller than before we headed into Final Jeopardy lead going into day two. I just want to say I am happy with how everybody played this game. I, you know, I love an all, all in daily double Juveria playing really strong. And then I'm not mad at Juveria for making that big Final Jeopardy wager because, you know, she's still in the lead. And even if, let's say, uh, Michael's all in had gone correct, She's only an effective $6,000 off of him. You know, we half that difference because of the ability to double up. And Michael, if he doubles up there, he's really keeping himself right on Juvaria's heels. And he's not that far behind. Yes, certainly making it interesting as we close out the week with day two of the finals. Juvaria got off to a small early lead in the Jeopardy round and continued to build up her score in double Jeopardy despite not finding either of the daily doubles. Michael clawed his way back with the help of a $3,600 daily double, allowing him to take the lead heading into final. All three players incorrect, but Juveria's two-day combined score gave her an effective runaway. So she goes from second chance to the Tournament of Champions. This is this is what it's all about. This is like Michael Davies' vision for this postseason writ large and come to life. I am so excited to see Juveria go against the likes of Ray Lalonde and Chris Panulo, among the many others, because she has fought tooth and nail from second chance from Champions Wildcard, and she's got what it takes. I mean, these are incredible stats through all of these tournaments. I think she's got to be one to watch. I mean, we called Andrew He the dark horse. I don't think Juveria is a dark horse. I think she's a horse. I mean, in this race, you know? According to her daughter, she's probably a unicorn. A unicorn. Right? Absolutely. She has Absolutely. young daughters. I'm guessing mom is a unicorn. It's really just unbelievable to imagine that a year ago, she was a Jeopardy one and done. That was it. Yeah. And now, look at this. Such a cool story. It's the stuff dreams are made of. It absolutely is. Ken caught up with all three of our finalists after the game. Let's take a listen. Congratulations. I was not doing the math in my head. You had that locked up and I had no idea. 
I did the math like 1,200 times. I'm bad at mental math. I don't, I, I hope there wasn't a camera on me. Um, we actually did, let's watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually like I figured it out and then I knew like this is obviously not my category. So the zero made sense for me. Well, it was a little bit tough. I mean, it's nothing else. It's US Army technology and you're the non-American here. You know, I have two thirds of an American studies undergraduate degree ah. that I didn't finish because I went to medical school, but maybe now I will finish it. Do you feel like the whole last third of that degree was probably about Black Hawk helicopters? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cool. We're going to spend your whole senior year on Black Hawk helicopters. Amazing. Well, that was a fantastic match, but all three of you played well. There was never a time when I knew who was going to get in on the buzzer because you were all just locked in. Did you enjoy Champions Wildcard? It was so wonderful. Mostly just beating all these wonderful people. I've got so, like, so many new friends now. It's, it's just delightful. For I'm a second, I thought you said you. beating all these wonderful people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but you said meeting, right? Well, I, I, I intended for the first, but I'm going to have to settle for the latter. Yeah, no, they're just, it's such a great group. They're as nice as they seem on television. It's, it's they're wonderful. Well, Javeria, you were a, if I can be undiplomatic, a zero-time Jeopardy champion. Yeah. You were a runner-up. <laughs> yes. And now you're going to the Tournament of Champions. A bit of imposter syndrome here. No, but. you're a walking advertisement for second chance. Like, yeah. we have these great players that we didn't get to see do their thing. Yeah, and I think about people like Rowan Ward. You know, it's just so inspiring. And um, I get to meet Ray Lalonde, and I'm going to try not to be creepy. Let's, let's workshop it right now. I'll be Ray Lalonde. Hey, Javeria, how's it going, eh? <laughs> can, can I ask, is anyone going to hear this outside this room? <laughs> yeah, we put these online all the time. Do you? OK, then I won't say what it's about. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and, and now I'll be diplomatic, it's very close, but I think you're the very best player I've ever played against. And Andy, you played against? Chris Panulo. You beat Chris Panulo. Amazing, but you were so lightning quick. I've been, I've been kind of preparing myself mentally for the last couple of days watching you play. You're incredible, absolutely incredible. We've got some great players in the TOC, but I would not bet against no. Javeria here. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I love their excitement for Juveria. Absolutely. And we talked about, you know, the the ownership each of our champions yes. wildcard groups have had, you know, the hearts and the spades and the diamonds and the clubs. And then we had group one and two of season 39. So she's got 26 cheerleaders who are going to be definitely rooting for her. Plus all of her second chancers have yeah. to be. So if you're going with just energy of people from the stage, she's got some good mojo there, going. There is a tidal wave of support behind Juveria. Well, it is now time for our host chat. An audience member asked Ken, how long had you been a fan of Jeopardy before you became a contestant? It was the day before. <laughs> no, I grew up watching the show. The uh, Alex Trebek version of Jeopardy came on the air in 1984. I was exactly the right age. I was like a fourth grader. I was like a very kind of nerdy encyclopedia reading 10 year old. And I lived overseas in Korea where we didn't have a lot of TV options. Imagine a world with no DVDs or uh, streaming or YouTube or cable, satellite. All we had was one channel of armed forces television, whatever the Pentagon put on for the GIs. That's what we watched. And by an accident of army policy, it was Jeopardy every day after school. So me and all my friends were just diehard Jeopardy fans. Again, just to remind you, because there was nothing else on. And so it's been a huge and meaningful part of my life for it's 40 years now. I can't even believe that. Well, even if he had been a fan for a long time, I'm sure he became a bigger fan after that 74-game multi-million dollar win. Yeah, kind of life-changing <laughs> for Ken in so many ways. Now, of course, our host. All right, well, now it is time to welcome our second-chance champion and champion's wildcard winner, Juveria Zahir, to the pod. Juveria, thank you so much for joining us. It is so wonderful to be here with you both today. 
I mean, started from, I don't want to say start from the bottom now you're here, but started <laughs> from a third place finish against Hannah Wilson, and now you're here. Yes. In just May of last year. I mean, this has all happened <laughs> in less than a year, Juveria. Like, you left on May 8th and said, you know what? That was great. It's been good. I'm moving on. And now here you are. Uh, my uh, six-year-old was at the mall with me the other day, and she said, you know what, Mom? I'm glad you lost your first game. And I said, why do you think that? She said, because none of this would have happened unless you lost, and everything happens for a reason. So out of the mouths of babes. Um, on Beautiful. On that day, I don't think it was the greatest day, certainly, <laughs> of my life, but um, I don't think I would change anything about this. I love that your six-year-old has full perspective on this. Yeah. <laughs> Not always, but in this case. <laughs> well, on this particular instance, she has full perspective. So we know how second chance you just dominated. And then, of course, you came into Champions Wildcard and you yourself have said the games were harder. The competition was tougher. But your quarterfinal game, it went pretty well for you in yeah. Champions Wildcard as you got started. I think the score made it look like I played better than I did, to be honest. I think it was one of those times where I was getting a lot of stuff wrong. I couldn't get any momentum, and I was so annoyed with myself. I think Buzzy once said, it's not about you and the other people. It's about you and the board. And the board was was a little bit tricksy for me that day. Um, but mm. I think for me, when I hit that daily double, it was like, okay, well, you're here. You want to make this work? Let's just go for it, and you'll feel like yourself again. And then I, I did after that, and it was such a joy to, to, to play again. I think even though you win a little tournament to get there, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome. It's like these people, they play Jeopardy the right way, and they won a game or two the right way. And then here you come in just like this random person. Um, so I think the quarterfinal was probably the game I was most anxious about, actually, and um, but it did go very well. And Patty Palmer is the most charming, funny, wonderful person in the world. And like even during the game, I could hear her laughing and like commenting on things. It was like like being there with a friend. It was the best. Yes, I think you have a huge fan in Patty Palmer, <laughs> even if you guys were playing against each other in that game. Yeah, she's got a huge fan in me, that's for sure. Well, it's interesting that you say, you know, you didn't really feel like you had your rhythm because you did have 30 correct responses. So if that's an off day for you, Javeria, oh my God. 30 is what we say is like a baseline super champion response level. So that's kind of interesting to hear you yeah. speak of that game when the stats say something very different. My husband was with a friend in the audience and the friend said, oh, you know, she played great. That's awesome. And my husband was like, she's not going to be happy. And our friend was like, what are you talking about? But Mike knows me. And it's just that like that perfectionism sometimes. And I think this has also been a lesson to me that you can't be a perfectionist all the time. Like Jeopardy is messy and complicated. <laughs> and uh, it's been a good life lesson for sure. Yeah. Just like life. Jeopardy is messy and complicated. <laughs> so true. So true. Well, you know what was also messy and complicated, but also beautiful was that semifinal game. Holy cow. Wow. That was a roller coaster to watch. Yes. What was it like to play? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a game I will never forget for the rest of my life. Um, you know, both of those, I always say young men. I feel like everybody's mom sometimes. <laughs> both of those young men are just wonderful people. And they were really good on the buzzer and they knew a lot of stuff. And, I, you know, I, I felt confident. Like I was getting a lot of stuff right. I had a rhythm. But it was such a wild feeling to feel everything kind of slip away. It's like you're like, you know, feeling really positive and confident and then one daily double. And Robbie did mm -hmm. exactly the right thing. He did what he should have done and he went all in. And there's a party that's a fan that's like, yeah, that's actually awesome that he did that. And um, there were two clues left in the $800 row. Um, there was 
I think first names the same and uh, Pope fiction. You see, like you're so traumatized, you'll never forget it. And actually, found <laughs> the popes. Um, and that in that second, and when he got the second one, and he played so beautifully. In that moment, it was like, okay, well, this is over. How am I going to get my husband Mike's attention to like let him know that we need to tell, call our daughters? Like, do I want to stay for lunch? I think I do. Do I want to cheer people on in the afternoon? I need to take a moment. I even, I'm not a big message writer because, you know, you want to take this seriously, but I wrote a message to my daughters because I thought it was the last game. And mm. even in those, you know, you don't give us too, too long. You give us as long as we need, but to wager. And in that whole time, it was like a montage in your head of all of the highs and lows and the incredible experiences. And I think the one thing that stuck with me is like, oh boy, I'm going to miss these people. I'm going to miss this place mm. and this stage, but how lucky am I? And when Alec got Captain Bly, um, he's such a smart kid. Oh my gosh. And then I knew it was Captain Bly because he's like a fruit captain. I feel like he's a captain about fruit. I don't know that many other fruit captains except for like <laughs> And I knew I would get it right, but I just assumed that Robbie would too. And I have never been more shocked in my natural life than in that moment. Like I, I was hoping the camera wasn't on me because I think I look like a gape. And in that moment, you go from sort of grieving this beautiful journey and experience to thinking, okay, like, oh my God, what's going to come next for me? And I, uh, Ron, who is in, was one of the semifinalists, who's a wonderful guy, a fellow Canadian, actually, he he said to me afterwards, he's like, we were to watch talk at lunch, but at lunch, you look like you were going to die. <laughs> you're like staring straight ahead like you had seen, like, you know, the face of hell or whatever. And I think that's kind of how I felt. So it was uh, big feelings. My goodness, big feelings on stage that day. Well, and then you do. You head to lunch knowing that after lunch, you have to come back and play a two-game final, and, you know, for the first time since your original loss, you're probably feeling a little uneasy. I don't want to put words in your no, mouth, but absolutely. you had come in so confident to second chance, and all of your choices had worked, and you really were in a momentum, so this had to be a time when you really had to kind of reflect and decide how you were going to head into those finals. For sure. It was like a magical experience. Like, everything had gone right. All of, Everything had broken my way, and um, to have a game like that where, you know, you snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat like you feel a little bit uh, overwhelmed and uneasy and so trying to sort of focus and recenter yourself I think what I told myself now is like there have been so many times in this journey where it's been just gravy like coming back for my first semifinal that was just gravy and then coming back for the final was just gravy and then this was just gravy but like literally I wasn't supposed to be there in my head and so mm. um, I actually had a lot of fun in the final like I think I was pretty loose because I wasn't supposed to be there. So it was it was a great opportunity to, <laughs> to have some fun for sure. Obviously, the game show gods believe yes. differently. They absolutely believe you were supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, and so, that first game you played so dominantly. You get those two daily doubles in Double Jeopardy. You go all in on both. You add over $15,000 getting this giant lead. What's going through your mind in those moments? Uh, I felt really good. Um, I like the categories a bit better than in the first round. Um, Michael is a buzzsaw on the buzzer and Andy is so brilliant. He's like the American Ray Lalonde. He's like a, such a wonderful guy. And uh, But in, when I saw those categories, like there was Canadian stuff, there was science stuff, there was history stuff. It's like, okay, like we're ready to go. And I knew that um, if I was going to win this game against these two amazing people, I had to play brave. And so it wasn't even a question for me both times. It was just what we were going to do. And it felt awesome. And I think like the first clue, you know, being nephrology, which I'm a psychiatrist, but I know some nephrologists. Nephrologists are like very serious people. Um, <laughs> they're like more serious than psychiatrists. And uh, it was so, so neat to see that. And then 
the the second daily double was um, Indira Gandhi, and my family is is Indian. Um, so that was one that when I got it, I thought all oh, my grandparents are going to know this one too, um, and they're going to be mad if I don't get it. So I should probably get it right. So this game of the first to the final felt a little bit like my first final and second chance, where I, I wasn't really thinking. It was sort of just like a flow state, and I was having fun, and it seemed really smooth for sure. Well, I think you taught us that you learned something in final. <laughs> again, that you just always have to read and reread the clue. Of course, the category geography, the first city in Australia with a municipal government, this state capital bears the name of a queen. And tell us what you did and where you went. (laughs) So I was feeling so happy about my whole life in that moment. And I saw it and I was like, this is so great. Melbourne was the first capital of Australia and Melbourne is the capital of a state named for a queen, Queen Victoria. I am so smart. I'm going to have (laughs) $48,000. And I wrote it down and I said, Javeria, remember they always say reread the question. So I read the question again and I was like, I'm so great. This is wonderful. (laughs) Oh, what a boon to know that Melbourne is the capital of Victoria. And then I saw Andy's answer and I thought, oh, no, because... Adelaide is where my best friend in the whole world has lived for about 15 years. I know where she bought her house. I know how long of a commute is to the hospital. I know how long, how far away she is from the beach. I know about like local governance and culture. Um, and so I was in that moment, I was like, oh my God, Bridget is going to kill me. And I should have just read the question. But, you know, I felt it's one of those things where if you have a bit of a cushion, it's not like life threatening in a manner yeah. of speaking, like game wise. So I knew even if I dropped 14, I still had 20, even if Michael got it right, he only has 32. That's, what do you call it? Like an effective lead of 6K, which I could probably w- w- work with. We had just we just discussed we just this game this in game. the pod. And Buzzy <laughs> loved your wager and he explained just that. Yeah, yes. so I figured I had space on either end. I thought about actually going small because I had a lock and sort of going in the four range. But then I thought, you know what? Like Michael's a really good player and any advantage you can get, you should take it. And worst case scenario, I was in a position that I was comfortable with. So even though I got it wrong and I was only five ahead of Andy, I was I was okay with it. I was it was kind of like a them the breaks thing. It was like, I don't want to talk to my friend Bridget Brown after this. Um, <laughs> it was it was okay. What was that call like when you she did was, have to talk to Bridget? She's the best person in the world. And she's like, Well, it must have been on their end, Javeria. <laughs> it must have been a confusingly written question. I said, no, those writers are amazing and they're the best. Yeah, I have as... to know how your best friend ended up in Adelaide, Australia. Yeah, she went to medical school. When I went to medical school in, in Canada, she went to medical school in Adelaide. And Canada is the best, but in Australia, it's like Canada except hot and beautiful. And um, as a resident, actually, you get paid overtime, which is like a like a human rights and labor issue. And so you actually have a better standard of living. And um, she thought about coming home, but she's been there forever. And you know, maybe with some of this money, we'll go see her. I was going to say, I think yeah. you at least owe her a visit. You yeah. have to go to Adelaide to make up for that. But now back to day two of the finals, you get out to an early lead and you're kind of building it, though you're not finding those daily doubles and double jeopardy, you know, like you had in other games. Yeah. And I think for this game, I wanted, sometimes I can be very, very aggressive and I can get a lot wrong. I wanted to sort of see where the other two guys were in terms of how aggressive they were being. And they were being really aggressive. So it sort of took that opportunity to sort of hang back a little bit. I was definitely hunting, definitely hunting. Um, There was a question about um, Andy Warhol in a hotel and both, Mm. both guys got it wrong. And I knew it was the Chelsea, but it was, 
in that place of like, no unforced errors today, no unforced errors. And I didn't ring in. And if I had rang in, I would have gone to where the next Daily Double was, where um, where Andy went. And so it was a good lesson to me that even if you're trying to not be aggressive, don't do it to the extent where you don't play like yourself. But right. I think it was sort of a matter of knowing with the game with Robbie in the semi, he had enough money that if he doubled, I'd be in trouble. So just sort of keeping an eye on where the other two were, remembering mm. sort of the math of it, remembering how much of a lead I had on on each. And they were both so great, but they're kind of going back and forth a little bit, which was like the best case, the best case scenario for me, obviously, is that I ring in and get things <laughs> right. Um, but failing that, you know, they were so balanced that um, it felt okay to still be aggressive, still try your best. But I felt I didn't feel anxious in the game. Like I, I kind of had mm-hmm. the math running in my head and felt pretty confident um, with the money I had. And if I could win with the money I had, I didn't want to lose any money, if that made sense. Well, I got to tip my hat to you for keeping all of that going <laughs> in your head while you're playing. Definitely some, not something I could have pulled off. It's so... And very similar to your second chance day two. By the time we get to the end of Double Jeopardy, you have locked up the runaway. It doesn't matter what happens in final. In that moment, how long did it take you? It sounds like you knew right then, like, I got yeah. this. Or was there a math moment? I had a sense that, like, I was in a good spot that, like, I could, you know, I wanted, like, a crush. I wanted to be able to, like, get final wrong. But if they got it wrong, I'd still win. So I knew I was kind of there. And so I did the math once and it was like, uh oh, I think that I have a lock. And so I did it again and I did it again and I didn't believe it because my mental math isn't actually great. Like I think a lot about, I, you know, I do a lot of biostats in my job. So I think a lot about probability and like Bayes' theorem and pretest probability and win percentage. But like I can't add. Totally. I'm like bad at math. I'm super <laughs> bad at like, adding up $4,400 with $4,400. So I went over and over and over and over again. And then I wrote something down and then I had to like, delete it. And like Megan was so patient with me and my like just neurosis on that stage. And Mike told me later that one of the camera guys was like, what's she doing? Like she's, she's doing the math a lot. And he's like, I don't know. What's Why happening. is she doing the math? Um, and uh, but I, I think I did it like five times and I, I was like looking around and trying to figure it out. And then I, I was comfortable and I put the, the wager in. But better. To, what is that saying? Like, I feel like it's a Jeopardy saying like measure twice, cut once. It's just a, a dad saying. <laughs> so it was like measure five times and cut once was the bit. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian... 
Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Well, then you emerge our champion. In that moment, you know you're heading to the Tournament of Champions. In the post-game chat, I think it was a Juveria love fest, and I loved that Andy Terrell said, you are absolutely the best Jeopardy player I have ever gone up against. And we all know that Andy beat Chris Panulo. So that's saying a lot, Juveria. <laughs> I, you know, I, what a what a gift and what a gener- like such generosity of spirit. And I think that's what I noticed with everybody out there. There's just so much generosity and of spirit. And I know that tournament season can be divisive. And I know that we all want Jeopardy to be the same. It's what we grew up with. At the same time, that community of people and that like will to win, but also the will to compete and to be kind to one another, there's nothing like it. You know, when I lost to Hannah, who's an extraordinary champion, I didn't think anyone would ever remember me again. Like I was like a like a mom from Toronto who lost her game and finished last. And and I remember when I got back to the green room, um, John Carnegie, who was, it wasn't a green room, actually, it was the Wheel of Fortune stage. Um, he said, hey, what about second chance? And it was the first time that had even occurred to me. And um, to hear uh, Andy say that about the best player in the field, you know, I, I'm always going to struggle with imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not a learned league person. I've never played OQL. I don't understand anything about trivia. This has been a real crash course for me. But I got off the couch and I played. Jeff Probst said that about Survivor once. He said, you know, sometimes you just need to get off the couch and play. And to hear my name even in the same sentence as Chris's was was such a gift. Imposter syndrome aside, I, I can understand that feeling. I, I connect with that. You're heading into the TOC having won, uh, uh, basically a seven-game champion. It's mind-boggling. It really, really is. And it's not what I expected. And it is a gauntlet to get here. It reminds me of, of soccer. It's like you have to, if you're relegated, I was relegated. I was like relegated, relegated and uh, <laughs> to fight your way back. And there are challenges with this, but there are gifts. Like I've been, I feel mm. like I know all of you guys so well. Like I feel like I'm there all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know like what's welcome well, home. everyone's yeah. names. I'm like always around. This will be my third time being in Culver City in three months. And so I think that's kind of cool. And that's like a bit of an advantage. And, you know, maybe people will be nervous of me a little bit. Who knows? We'll see. They should be. 
They should be. You've had a couple weeks at least between this incredible win in the Champions Wildcard competition and the TOC kicking off. What have you been doing? Have you been uh, studying, resting? What did you change? I want to hear because now you've had a couple of sort of tournament competition experiences under your belt. So I became like a flashcard queen. I like to call them flashies and not flashcards because flashies are like less scary, more fun. Way Flash- cooler. Yeah. Flashcards are like they make you sad and they pile up on your phone. So I wanted to stick with what I was doing, which was like doing like sort of staying on top of my flashcards and, and like kind of remembering the stuff that I do know and should know playing a lot of like practice games online with pals. It sounds a bit corny, but um, even for me as a psychiatrist, before I went in the first time, I didn't think about my values or my goals or like who I was or what a success, what success meant. And I wanted to do that. I've done that for the last couple of tournaments. And so, you know, thinking to myself that this is such a great gift and that uh, I don't need to be nervous because it's a gift and it's going to be so much fun. And I want to see what I can do. I want people to see what I can do, even if that means, you know, an epic blowout. That's totally fine, but I just want to get up there and um, live my best life and have the time of my life, and we'll see what happens. You know, it's interesting. Your husband talked about, I think, to Michael Davies, talking about, based on what you do for a living, what's happening up there on the Alex Trebek stage is nothing compared to what you deal with day in, day out in your profession. Yeah, so I am... you know, people have come up to me a lot and said, you look so calm up there. You look so rough. First of all, I don't feel calm or relaxed, but you, know, <laughs> you look so collected. You don't panic. You don't get mad at the buzzer. You just kind of smile and play. And um, professionally, I'm a psychiatrist, but I'm an emergency department psychiatrist. And I um, am mm. a medical head. So I run the largest psychiatric emergency department in Canada with the greatest team and a real focus on equity and access. We see really sick people. We see people on the worst days of their lives. We see people who are very, very unwell. And you're balancing all kinds of things all the time and your patient safety and your own safety and people's well-being. And so I think I'm used to kind of thinking about a lot of different things at once. I'm also used to relying on people and things and structures that I care about. So I, I, I said to some of your team members, you guys remind me of our team in the Emerge because you work so well together mm-hmm. and you may disagree, but you have each other's backs and you kind of get this thing done. And so I felt very at home there. And it doesn't feel scary because it's kind of like, Everyone's on each other's team. It doesn't matter what happens, but we're going to get through it. Well, you know, I'm sure Sarah can corroborate, but I remember Alex saying often that the people who tended to do well on Jeopardy were people like teachers and lawyers. And now I'm going to say ER doctors who are obviously very bright, but also used to high pressure, used to thinking on their feet, having to come up with solutions quickly in stressful situations. So I think, you know, your your day-to-day did a lot of the preparation for you for being ready to, you know, face a challenge or like you said, you know, that 15 minutes in that game where you thought it was over, but somehow you kept your head in it enough to come up with final jeopardy, you know? I think that's that's exactly right. And I think that one of the things about being up there is that you want to be your best self and give yourself the best chance to win. And if you kind of give into those feelings of like, well, I'm not worthy or you freak out or you think like, I can't keep moving forward, you're done. And so I think one of the things my job has taught me and the people I work with have taught me is we always keep moving forward. We always try hard. There's not always like the best of all possible worlds. You're not always going to get the best kind of outcome, but you can make the best decision that you can in the moment. And if it's not the right one, you move forward. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Plus, they have the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I love about Shopify is how simple they've made it to grow your business. You can manage inventory, track payments, and view real-time insights all in one place. Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash jeopardy. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. Their conversation-based technique teaches you useful words and phrases to get you speaking quickly about things you actually talk about in the real world in as little as three weeks. Babbel's helped me learn everything I need to have real-world conversations, from vocabulary words to culture. Plus, it only takes 10 minutes a day, so I'm able to fit in a session even when I'm on the go. All of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here is a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash insidej. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash inside J, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash inside J. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, back to Inside Jeopardy. I have to know, you've been mentioning Ray Lalonde. You're almost a little <laughs> nervous. We are going to see him eminently right now, Juveria. How are you preparing to not have that go completely a little awkwardly? I just have to know. Yeah, yeah. so I, like... I've already made it really weird, (laughs) but I feel like I have the interpersonal ability to apologize and to maybe like not come on so strong and maybe I'll just listen a lot and and be nice and maybe give (laughs) give him his space and let him come to me a little bit. I like it. I have to share, I was actually talking with Matea Roach this morning. Oh, wow. And they were telling me, about watching you and how wonderful it is to see another woman just killing it on the Alex Trebek stage. What? A, my daughters love Matea. They think that they are the coolest person. They love <laughs> Andrew He as well. Those are my daughters are just like Those all Those are two in. cool people. Yeah, um, that's, that's, and, that's uh, a good list. If good, I tell them that, they're going to be the happiest little girls in the world. Matea like, right. is like a cool teen for them. Exactly. Right. Yes. yes. Matea is cool. Matea is yes. objectively cool. Yeah. I got. I have a couple hard-hitting questions for our friends over at Reddit who really love when I oh, ask this. Oh, they love this one. <laughs> you were talking about on the Alex Trebek stage. When you're off stage, what is your lunch order at the Sony commissary? You're going to hate this answer so much. I am a very, <laughs> I'm like a nervous puker. And I have been since I was really young and I had, I like cannot, like even the morning of my, like my episode, I was like throwing up and my daughter said to my husband, like, is she okay, dad? And he's like, she's been doing this since she was 18 years old. Don't worry about it. Oh this means God. things are like 
going well. So like Martha Bath was sitting in front of me and like eating and chatting and like I didn't want to throw up on Martha Bath. I didn't want to throw up on Ken. I didn't want to throw up on no Andy. So I just did not eat. And your team is so great. And they're like, I just like eat something, eat something. And then like by the second time, the second tournament, like Audrey needed to just like bring me a bottle of water. And then I would sit there like looking like I was going to die and it, it works for me. But after I eat everything in sight, Okay. You, wait, but during the tape day, I mean, you pull off an entire no. tape day with no food. I drink a hundred of those small bottles of water that you guys have. <laughs> um, like, to the point where I like, found one in my purse the other day. As an eMERGE doc, like we go like a full shift without eating often. So I think that's sort of how I'm wired. So it sort of feels natural, even though it's probably like very unhealthy and don't do this at home. But like the alternative would yeah. have been um, very challenging. I get it. My other question uh, is, do you have a favorite stat of yours? Like, is there uh, something about your play or a game or, uh, you know, something that you are like, whatever happens, I blotty blod. <laughs> I am a big proponent of attempts. Um, I uh -huh. love attempts. It's like um, you miss 100% of the, the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott stuff. Like I yes. am a big fan of attempts. And I know that I like my, my getting stuff wrong rate is a little bit higher than some people. But like just giving it a shot and making those attempts um, make me really happy. And I think the other thing, too, is it's a, it's a really small thing. Um, but Ken mentioned it in, our, in my last game or one of the final games that I was able to match Michael Menkes on the buzzer in one of our games together. And Michael, like, I don't know if you've seen his, I'm sure, why am I telling you this? It's your, you know, of course you know, but Michael's buzzer stats are off the hook. They are unbelievable to be able to say, like, I, I kind of was able to hang with Menkes on the buzzer. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. I was really proud of that. Yeah. Let's just look at those attempts because yes. in your worst attempt game, you're at 44. Yeah. And in your best, you're at 52. You are ringing in on 75% of the material. That's incredible. Yeah, I think one of the things I wanted to focus on is like not having gaps. Like sometimes you can lose a whole category if you're not comfortable in it. So I wanted to be comfortable enough in every category that I could get three of the five answers. Um, and that means like learning about stuff you don't like, which is never fun. I think it takes a lot. It takes a bit of discipline to like study stuff mm -hmm. you're not super into. Um, and that was something that I, I, I really tried to, to focus on for sure. So who's coming with you? Who's coming to the TLC oh this week? Oh my gosh. So you guys are so generous to allow my six-year-old, like Emily's, to sneak in um, to the audience. And my 10-year-old have. Coming. She has proven herself. Oh she my gosh. She totally... is a champ. I thought she was going to like fall off the seat at the at the end. But she, she, she gets it. And we buy, you know, a million packs of Trader Joe's popcorn and just like keep feeding them popcorn. And it's perfect. Um, my husband, who is also in the contestant pool and very smart and nice, oh. is coming. I just want to shout him out because he's like cleaned the kitchen himself for like the last three months and done all the bath times and the bedtimes. And he is my wow. favorite person in the whole world. Super and uh, Except for Rayla Lot. No, I'm kidding. And um, my brother is coming, uh, who was the reason I did any of this, who is like a survivor superstar. Survivor yeah. second chancer. We still got to get him a second we chance. Gotta, we got to get Ken to call Jeff Probst and put him on because he is the best. And he is, and like one of the friends from his show is going to babysit our children for honors. So we have like a whole team. Well, beyond that team, Sarah and I have talked about how the second chancers obviously are rooting for you. They were rooting for you in Champions Wildcard. Now added to Team Juveria is all the champions wildcard people from your uh, competition. There is a tidal wave of support. You know, 
I'm going to count myself among the supporters. I, you know, I know Sarah's a producer. The other producers, they have to stay neutral. I'm not a producer. I get to say, Juveria, I cannot wait to see how far you go. And you've got a ton of support and you have earned that support with great play and a great attitude. Thank you. And I also want to say the contribution you have already made. I think there are so many people who have watched you and are going to take that test because they saw someone like themselves. They saw someone who just got off the couch and gave it a try. And look at you now. I can't wait to welcome you to the TOC. You are a shining star in this Jeopardy family. And we welcome you with open arms. Thank you so much. And to everyone who's listening, doesn't matter who you are, get off the couch, take the test. Um, you never know what can happen. She's coming to the TLC, folks. But for now, you got to get on that plane. We will see you soon. Thanks so much for joining us in the pod. We'll see you at the Tournament of Champions. Thank you. Well, once again, Juveria, just such an icon of this game. I love the way she approaches it. I love her presence of mind yeah. to know that it is wonderful and it's a gift just to be a part of this competition. And I can't wait to see you in the TOC. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Every TOC is exciting, but with all of this buildup, I feel like this is going to be one for the books. And that brings us, Buzzy, to the end of today's show. As a reminder, be sure to tune in today as the final Champions Wildcard quarterfinal games will begin. And of course, we're going to be back next week to discuss it all. And now, for all of us in JPT, it's time to head to the Tournament of Champions. I can't wait. You know I've got my handy-dandy notebook ready. We will see you all next week. See you then.